Why is it that we discuss expectations for students more than we discuss the expectations for us, the professionals? Would you believe that we discuss expectations for students over 300 times more than we discuss expectations for educational professionals? Hey, it's Matt, and you're listening to the Matt Faust Mashup. And welcome to episode 10, No Excuses, the last episode of season one of the Mathost Mashup. And I'm thankful and deeply humbled that you've chosen to spend this time with me. Let's jump right into it. The funny thing about owning a boat is that no matter how new it is, how well made, how tightly sealed, water will always find a way to seep into the dry spots. An old house is much the same. No matter how long it's been standing successfully, no matter how small a crack may be, when a storm comes, water will always find a way to drip down into the ceiling. Do you remember the cartoons where the dam had a small crack and the water began to seep out? Looney Tunes always had the dam with the seep and water always found a way. It's pretty much a metaphor for determination. It's the opposite of excuses. If you do a Google search for the phrase, high expectations for students, you'll find over 247 million results. However, if you repeat the same search for high expectations for teachers, you'll find 123 million, roughly half. If you repeat this search again for high expectations for principals, there's a mere 16.3 million. And then again, if you repeat this search for high expectations of superintendents, there's only 644,000 results. This means that we discuss online high expectations for students over 383 times more than we discuss the high expectations for educational leaders. Why the imbalance? Why place the onus for impact on learning so heavily on the youngest, on the students? I did another search of peer-reviewed articles published in educational journals since 2017 with the phrase high expectations. And nine out of the top 10 results were articles about high expectations for students. Only one of the top 10 results was about the high expectations that students have for themselves. Zero out of 10 of the top 10 results were about the expectations we hold for educators. You may have heard about the No Excuses Schools. There's a network of several dozen charter schools in the New York City area called No Excuses Schools. They have built a culture of teacher-centered instruction and test prep curriculum accompanied by highly structured and rigid discipline procedures. Now, they've faced much criticism recently because of the rote nature of the learning taking place. Even their own leadership teams acknowledge that there's a sense of simply practicing thinking rather than actually engaging in the process. Processes that lend themselves towards inquisitive and creative thinking. 
or critical thinking. Even the no excuses schools are changing their approach to a more student-centered pedagogy. So when I speak of no excuses, I'm certainly not referencing rigidity or adult-centered schooling. What can we learn from the reforms at these schools? We can learn that for the impact on learning to change, the expectations for principals, for teachers, all of the professionals, those expectations have to change. Let's talk expectations for students. I recently purchased four of the highest trending school leadership books for 2018, and I was disappointed to find large sections of each book with the headings, High Expectations for Students. Much of the content in each of these books could have easily been swapped between the authors and no one would have known. It's as if we've driven this concept into the same nail hole and the nail is pushed all the way through the wood, out the other side and has fallen down. We grab another nail and continue to hammer into the same hole, but nothing different happens. It's as if we've screwed this concept with a drill, so many rotations repeatedly that the wood has no fibers left for the threads to grab hold of. So let's turn the concept of high expectations around. Maybe it's not the nails or the screws that we needed after all. Maybe the concept of expectations for students has been blown out of proportion or entirely misconstrued, maybe 383 times too much. Maybe the concept doesn't have anything to do with expectations, hopes, or goals for students. Maybe Maybe it has everything to do with the excuses we make and the expectations students have for themselves. Now I realize that may be a bold statement and I'm totally open to the fact that it could be entirely incorrect. But let's look at a simple analogy. When we run a race, we're measuring rate, 10 seconds per 100 meters, 60 seconds per quarter mile. We're measuring the rate that we run. And coaches, the purpose of coaching is to increase the rate, to provide the sessions, the practice, and the treatments to move from 10 seconds per 100 meters to 9.8 seconds to increase the rate. And that increase of rate is the impact of the coach. When we work out, we seek to increase the mileage per sessions, we seek to increase the reps per set. Again, that's a rate that we're seeking to impact. Successful schools do exactly the same. They don't just roll out a reading program. Successful schools don't just implement a new instructional approach. No, instead, they do it with the intent to increase the learning rate to impact the learning. Yet, many school programs have no measurable impact on learning. These are the mistaken blind spots of our own excuses for impact. Remember the analogy of water, always finding a way. It should always be done that an initiation of a program that we set out the measurable impact on learning. And when that measurable impact does not create the increase that we need, we adjust. And without the metrics of impact, we create blind spots of excuses. But let's shift slightly, look at a different perspective of excuses. Give me a parent who finds excuses not to love their children. It really isn't the way human DNA is made up. We are a communal species who knows no excuses in love. Instead of high expectations, let's think in terms of no excuses. No excuses for teachers to find what students need. No excuses for removing barriers to student learning. No excuses for principals, 
not to find the funds to have the premier educational resources our schools need. No excuses for superintendents not to be building the partnerships that bring first-class opportunities to every school district, whether metro, suburban, or rural. No excuses for school boards not to lobby with our legislators to get the legislation needed to open pathways to success. Instead of speaking about high expectations for students, 383 times more than we speak about the expectations for professionals, how about we start speaking about no excuses for failing programs, no excuses for floundering results, no excuses for not valuing people, no excuses for not creating a vibrant, a powerful school culture, and no excuses for not celebrating every success on teacher teams. No excuses for any child or for any educator in any role. No excuses for anything less than the best. No excuses for not loving every child as if they were our very own. It's not test score. It's not skills. It's the future. It's human lives. And every day they are seeking to shape and mold an identity of themselves that they and their families can be proud of. There's no room, no time for excuses. Thank you again for listening to this episode, the final episode of season one. I really hope you enjoyed. If you did, please pass it along to someone. I can't wait to bring season two to you where we begin talking about impact on learning. I don't want to leave you just yet if you haven't followed the blog at mafos.com, M-A-F-O-S-T.com, three days per week into your email, sign up at mafost.com, M-A-F-O-S-T, and I promise to deliver to you insanely innovative, inspiring, and challenging ideas three days a week, straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening.